Oh, it's great to see a cathedral. God is good. And all the time. Now, thanks so much for being here and allowing us to be a part of your Christmas celebration. For the next few moments, I want us to think about the amazing love of God that meets us at Christmas time. How the coming of Christ means the advent of love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this moment in time. Thank you for cathedral family, friends, guests, those who are here in the building and those who are watching online. We've created space to come and meet your grace in this moment, to pause and say thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. And I pray that you would do what only you can do, that by the power of your spirit, that your love would take hold of our hearts and minds all over again. And that we would leave here lifted up, built up, because of your great love. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. amen. Can we give him praise one more time? Amen. Amen. It is Christmas Eve. Just in case you weren't sure what day it is, I wore my shoes to remind you. It is Christmas Eve here at Cathedral. So before you're seated, turn to two or three people and tell them, Merry Christmas. Go ahead and do that. Merry Christmas. Well, in just a few moments, our World of Arts team will be back out here. We'll go to the Lord's table, and it's going to be a very special wind-up to our Christmas Eve service. But as I said, for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about the meaning of that moment 2,000 years ago that split history in two and how the coming of Christ means the advent of love. Years ago, there was a little boy who went and saw the Toy Story movie. And he loved it. He especially loved Buzz Lightyear. It was his favorite character. Well, the next Sunday he was in church and he was in his class and the teacher was talking about the love of God and how much God loved them. And the teacher asked the class, how much do you think God loves you? And the little boy shot up his hand and said, to infinity and beyond. And that's what we celebrate. The 2,000 years ago, God steps down from heaven to earth and comes to us as a flesh and blood baby. How much does God love us to infinity and beyond? See, the story of the nativity, it really is, at its heart, a love story. In fact, there was a great philosopher by the name of Soren Kierkegaard, and he created an illustration which he felt demonstrated something of what Christmas is about. And I want to tell you that story, but in order to do it, if we could change the background behind me, that's great. Now we have a castle. If I could have just a little background music. Tommy? Happy to do it. Now we're ready for the story. The story he told went something like this. There was a great king, the most powerful king in all of the lands. And one day he fell head over heels for a peasant girl that lived in a village outside of the castle. And he began to think to himself, how can I win her love? And he thought, well, I'm the king. I could send my soldiers, have her brought 
to the castle, command her to marry me, because after all, I'm the king and I have the power to do that. But then he thought, well, I really wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if she loved me or if she was just afraid of me. So he came up with another idea. I know what I'll do. I'll have a big parade with horses and chariots, march out to her with all of my splendor and majesty, make a great display of my wealth. And then he thought to himself, well, if I do that, I still wouldn't know if she really loved me or if she just married me for my money. Finally, he came up with another idea. What if I entered her world and came to her as a peasant? And I sat where she sat. And I talked with her and I laughed with her and I ate with her and I danced with her and I was able to win her love as one of her own. Then I would know she really loves me. And that's what he did. He came to the girl, he won her heart, they were married, they moved into the castle, and they lived happily ever after. And that's the end of the story. How about a big hand for Tommy? Yeah. And the philosopher would say, in a much more profound sense, something like that is going on at Christmas that God steps all the way down from heaven to earth and comes to us as one of our own in order to win our hearts and win our love. See, at the heart of Christmas, it really is a love story. I mean, the story of the nativity, you find it in the first two chapters of Matthew and the first two chapters of Luke. But the meaning of Christmas is found in one of the most well-known verses in the entire Bible, John 3, 16. And I invite you to read this out loud with me. Let's fill this place with the word of God. Would you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Can we give God praise for his great love? That is what Christmas is all about. For God so loved the world. Love is what moved him. Love is what motivated him. And think about how vast the love of God is. For God so loved the entire world? Are you kidding me? I I saw this one uh, little girl, she, she wrote a letter to God, and you can see it up here. It says, Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> and we all can feel her pain because we all know people in our world that are difficult to love. Some of them you're having dinner with tomorrow. One of them may be sitting next to you right now. (laughs) We all know how difficult people can be, and yet God says his love is so vast, it encompasses the entire world. What kind of circle is that? 
Think about how wide the circle was at the very first nativity. We read about the shepherds in Luke chapter two. We read this in Luke chapter two, if we could bring that up, there we go. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now the shepherds in that day, they were way over here on the margin, right at the edge of the page. They were not allowed to attend their local churches. They were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. Other people drew a circle that kept the shepherds out. And what does God do? The angels appear to the shepherds. God draws a circle that lets them in. For God so loved the world. And then we come to the wise men. The Bible says about the wise men in Matthew chapter two, wise men from the east. The wise men were from the east. They were from the east side. They were, that's where they were from, the east side. Wise men from the east side. They came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the child who's been born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. Now we have come to worship him. The wise men. Again, back in that day, they were way over here on the margins, at the very edge of the page. They didn't come from the right ethnic background. They didn't come from the right religious background. Other people in that day, they drew a circle that kept them out. And what does God do? A star appears to the wise men. God draws a circle that lets them in. For God so loved the world. And God draws a circle. Yeah, let's give God praise for his amazing love. And the good news for us is that God draws a circle that lets us in. How different is his love from the love we often encounter in our world? We offer, often encounter a love, well, that love is based on what we do. It's based on our performance, that your bank loves you as long as you're making the payments. And your boss loves you as long as you're, well, you're making those sales. And your fans love you as long as you're throwing those touchdowns. And online followers love you as long as you're, well, you're making those viral videos. Love is based on what we do or how we perform. I heard about one wealthy man. He was, he was talking to, he was engaged and he was talking to his fiance. And he asked his fiance, if I lost all of my money, would you still love me? And she said, of course I would. I would miss you, but I would still love you. <laughs> so often in our world, we're loved on the basis of what we do or how we perform and when we don't do enough or we don't perform well enough, others draw a circle that keeps us out. And yet the love of God that we find at Christmas, it draws a circle that lets us in. It's not based on what we do or how we perform. It's based on who God himself is for God so loved the world. God so loved the world. 
so I never have to wonder anymore about how God really feels about me. I mean, in my humanity, I can struggle with that. When I mess up, does God still love me? When I am walking through difficult times, does God still love me? And in those moments, I go back to the birth of Christ, and I remember that in that moment, God so loved the world, and I never have to wonder how he feels about me again. There was an old game that people used to play. It was called the, uh, the uh, Daisy Oracle. And the way the game went is, well, you looked at a flower to try to help you figure out, how does this other person feel about me? If you remember how it goes, help me out. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And yet, when we come to the love of God, we don't have to play that game anymore. Because the one who knows you best is the one who loves you most. The one who knows your worst is the one who loves you best. The love of God is vast, and yet, St. Augustine said, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. And we can say, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Because of the birth of Jesus Christ, we know. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, we see this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Can we give God praise for his amazing love for us at Christmas? He loves me. Let that love wash over your mind and your heart today. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God so loved the world that he gave. God's not a taker, God's a giver. In ancient times, there were myths about the gods that would create human beings in order for the human beings to be slaves to them. And in that view of God, God was a taker. But the God of the Bible is not a taker. The God of the Bible is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's been giving since the very beginning. I mean, God's given us air to breathe. Can somebody say amen to that? God's given us food to eat. Can someone say amen to that? God's given us sunsets to enjoy and music for our ears and friends for our heart and purpose for our day. God so loved the world that he gave. The Bible says this in James chapter one about God as a giver. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift, every, say that with me, every, every good gift you have in your life has come from the hand of a good and gracious God. God's a giver, not a taker, amen. And then 2,000 years ago, God just, God outdoes himself. And he gives us a gift that is so overwhelming. I saw some kids, a montage of kids that receive presents of Christmas, and they're just overwhelmed by them. Uh, I got a kick out of it. Watch the screens and, and see what you think. 
Two tickets to Hamilton, that's a pretty good gift. 2,000 years ago, God outdoes himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Talk about overwhelming. His one and only son. It's great to have families together at Christmas and all the kids in the audience and do any of the kids, do you like teddy bears at all? Now this is a basic teddy bear, but you can go online and there's a store called the Vermont Teddy Bear Store. And if you go to their one of a kind collection, you can actually tailor make your own teddy bear. You can pick out the eyes and you can pick out the outfit and you can pick out the paw pads. They say that you can even give the bear a tattoo. Now, what kind of tattoo do you put on a bear? The only thing I could think of was honey, right? <laughs> but when you see a bear that's one of a kind and you hear the words, one and only son, it reminds us that when Jesus shows up in human history, we're dealing with someone that is completely unique and completely distinct. It's the eternal son of the eternal Father. I mean, there's this sense in which God is the father of all creation. He's the source of creation. He's the author of creation. And all creation can relate to God in that sense as father. And then there's another sense in which those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God, adopted sons, adopted daughters, that we can relate to God as Father in that sense. Can we give him praise for what he did in making us a part of his family? And yet with Jesus, the way he relates to the Father, it's unique, it's distinct. He's the divine Son of the divine Father, the eternal Son of the eternal Father. In fact, the Bible says this in John, chapter one, about who it is we celebrate this season. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only is God and is at the Father's side. The one at the Father's side has shown us what God is like. That God gives us his one and only son so that we can know we don't have to be in the dark. Uh, years ago, Rolling Stone magazine was interviewing one of the original Beatles, and he said something in that interview which caught my attention. John Lennon said, the most important thing in life is to figure out why we are here and what we are here for. Everything else in life can wait, but the search for God cannot wait. And I think he's right. The search for God, it cannot wait. But the question is, how do you find them? There's so many ideas, so many opinions out there. It's easy to get confused. Some religions teach that there is one God. Other religions teach that there are many gods. Some religions teach that everything is God. Other religions teach that nothing is God. 
Some religions teach you to love your neighbor. Other religions teach you to eat your neighbor. (laughs) How do we know what's right? Where do we go in the midst of our confusion? And 2,000 years ago, God loves us so much, he sends his one and only son so that we do not have to be confused anymore because Jesus shows us who the Father is and what the Father is really like. He's the one and only son, the eternal son of the eternal Father, and we can know who God is, amen. We're not in the dark anymore because of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Believe. Would you say that with me? Believe. A few years ago, I must have been going through midlife crisis and I decided to go skydiving. And I did what they call is a tandem jump. Now when you go on a tandem jump, what you do is you harness yourself to your instructor. And he's really the one that is making sure things turn out okay. He's the one that controls the free fall. He's the one that pulls the chute. He's the one that makes sure you land safely. I can remember as we were getting higher and higher in the plane and he could tell, I mean, I have this uh, full disclosure, I have a big fear of heights. And he could tell that I was nervous. I was white as a sheet. And so he told me, he said, look, I've done this hundreds and hundreds of times before. I have dinner reservations tonight. We're going to get down safely. (laughs) And I believed him. Of course, it's one thing to say, I believe. It's another thing to say, I believe it enough to scoot to the edge of the door and 14,000 feet in the air jump out of a, pretty, a, a perfectly good airplane. But when you do, and I was thinking, this whole idea of believe, it's a little bit like that tandem jump. When we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, we, we strap ourselves to that harness with him and we take a leap of faith out of the plane. And when we do, that's when we become fully alive. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we, well, we we risk our lives on that claim. We stake our lives on his claims. And because of that, We know that we have life. Jesus came to give us life. He came to give us eternal life. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, you and I are gonna live forever. We really are. Eternal life. And sometimes we say, well, it just, man, it seems like it's taken forever. That it takes forever to get out of the parking lot or it takes forever to get our food from this restaurant or it it takes forever for that guy to finish his talk at church they don't say that at this church but at other churches that happens (laughs) or it's taken my wife forever to get ready I would never say that at least I would never say that out loud (laughs) or the kids are in the audience it seemed like it's taken forever for Christmas to come 
But let me ask you a question. How long exactly is forever? How do you define forever? Forever is forever. And because of Jesus Christ, when we put our faith and trust in him and we take a leap of faith, we are going to live forever. Jesus once put it this way. At a funeral of a friend, he said this, he who believes in me, even though he may die, yet shall he live. And then he asked, do you believe this? And the answer back then and the answer today is, yes, we do. Because of Jesus, you and I, yeah, let's give him praise, amen. We are going to live forever. And forever starts now. See, the life that he gives, it is so strong and durable, not even death can destroy it, and that life begins even now in the present. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we read, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts when? Now. When does it start? Now. Right now. See, the religious leaders in that day when they looked at history, they split it up into two parts. There's the present age, the broken world that we live in. And then there's the coming age. And that is the perfect world that we will live in. What they didn't expect was that God would show up in the middle of history, in the person of Jesus, to bring the life of that future world into the present world so that we can get a taste of heaven right here and right now. The love and the joy and the peace of heaven we can experience in the here and the now. Don't be mistaken. This is what the mission of Jesus was. It was to come and give us life, to give us eternal life. That's how much he loved us. The Bible says, I came so that they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Let me ask you a question. Do you need to take a leap of faith and jump into the life of his love to know what it is to be fully alive? I read about a young lady who, she had a tumor in her face and when they operated to take the tumor out, they severed a nerve and it left her, her mouth twisted and distorted and when she looked in the mirror and saw it, she asked the doctor in the hospital room, she said, am I ever gonna get my mouth back to normal? And he said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do about that. And she began to cry. And when she cried, her husband, who was standing in the room, he walked over to her and he put his arm around her. And you know what he did? He twisted his mouth to the shape of her mouth and gave her a kiss. And 2,000 years ago, what does God do? He loves us so much that he twists himself into a manger. And then he twists himself onto that cross. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, and that life starts now. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment as the team preps for a World of Arts presentation? Let me ask you a question. If you would say, Pastor Ken, I know about Jesus. I've heard about Jesus. I admire Jesus. I'm not a hater. That's why I'm here tonight. But you've never really stepped across the line. Every journey starts with a step, and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. To take that leap of faith, stake your life on his claims. And today's the day you want to move from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus. If that's a decision that you're making to say yes to his love, I want to agree with you that this is your moment. This is your day. If you're making that decision, would you lift up your hand real high and say, Pastor Ken, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God sees your heart. He sees your hands. This is what Christmas is all about. Those watching online. God's there to meet you in the moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who are putting their faith and trust in you tonight. Jesus, we, we're taking our lives and we're harnessing them onto you, putting our faith and trust in you. And God, we, as we confess Jesus as our Savior and we surrender our lives to him and make him our Lord, I pray that in all of us, once again, we would meet you and your love in this place, that your love would wash over our heads and our hearts, and that we would know in a deep, profound sense the healing, powerful presence of your great love for us. We love you, and once again, we're in awe. We're overwhelmed as we think about what you did for us 2,000 years ago, we just never get used to it. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give God praise, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll take the, the communion elements, hold them in your hands. In just a moment, we're gonna receive together. If you need elements, the ushers, have them, the bread and the cup. And Demi is coming to share with you one of my favorite songs. I think it's my favorite Christmas song. And let's prepare our hearts to go to the Lord's table today.
Demi. Everybody stand with me. What a powerful song. What a powerful song. Take the bread and the cup. Jesus, we're so grateful for who you are and what you've done for us. You are the bread of life. And as we eat, we eat in faith, receiving the life, the eternal life that is found in you. Let's eat of the bread of Christ together. Jesus, thank you for giving your life. Because you gave your life, we can have life, eternal life, quality of life, meaningful life, joy and peace and hope in this life. And so let's drink today. And as we drink, drink in the life that is found in the cup of Christ. And now I invite you 
on this very special evening to say with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Would everybody say it with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. I'm going to ask you one more time, if you would, if you go ahead and take your seat because the world of arts is coming to end things up with a great celebration. Give them a great big welcome as they come.
Everybody stand with me. Again, would you let the World of Arts team know how much you appreciate. They've been blessing us all season long. Look at that, buddy. You and I got matching shoes. They've done such a great job. And in fact, just a, a, a quick note. This is a brother and sister, and their dad is on the drums. There are three generations here at Cathedral of Faith helping to lead us. Way to go to the Flores family. Just a couple quick things before I dismiss you as our staff comes and joins me on the stage. First of all, if you still need a, a stocking stuffer, well, on your way out, Cathedral, we've got lots of, uh, well, lots of different things at, at the kiosk in the back, but one of them is a special CD with four songs on it that they put together. It has two songs by Vaughn and Irene, including the one they did tonight, and two by Demi, who was our special soloist for tonight. And so you can check that out on your way out. Thanks so much for being here 
hey, Merry Christmas to you. Yeah. And then I think somebody, when I said, do you like teddy bears? I heard someone over here say, yeah, we do. Right over there? All right. Here you go, buddy. Merry Christmas, all right? Love you, bud. <laughs> and then let me say thanks again for joining us for this very special night as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. In fact, can we do something on the count of three? Can we just shout out happy birthday, Jesus? On the count of three, you ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday, Jesus. And as you celebrate, yeah, as you celebrate tomorrow, from, from our family, my wife and I, and our entire family, and the cathedral staff, we, we pray that your, love, or your home will be filled with love and joy and peace tomorrow, that God will fill up your heart and fill up your home. And so we have a tradition that we do every year. Uh, instead of the normal benediction, we like to sing. And so staff, can you help me out? Ready, everybody? We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Cathedral. We love you. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome Christmas.